Hi, I'm Mel and welcome back to Hyperfeminism, the podcast. It's so wonderful to see all your beautiful faces. In my last episode, I talked about endometriosis and my diagnosis journey and experience with it as a whole rather briefly because like I said, I could talk about it for hours. But I also talked about how lots of other chronic pain conditions seem to intersect in our experiences and even like the pain that we experience and how we process that mentally and cope with it. Uh, So I thought I would give you all the pleasure of listening to my friend and roommate, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So let's start, because we've already heard uh, so much about my pain. Let's start with talking about yours. So do you want to talk about what you experience and sort of how long that's been going on for? Okay, so um, I get chronic lower back pain and also deal with sciatica pretty frequently going down my right side. It started when I was about 17 after I hurt my back dancing. But I think looking back, there were a couple of symptoms that I was actually experiencing before that. It's really just that this injury brought it on and... It's really interesting (laughs) you say that because I'm literally exactly the same. So like my specific diagnosis is endometriosis, but also chronic persistent pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because there are so many things that they say about chronic pelvic pain, warning signs that I experienced while I was swimming. So like sport as well. So there's stuff that gets passed off as sporting stuff. I always had incredibly tight hip flexors and I'm hypermobile. So everywhere else, especially when we would have like our flexibility measured Mm -hmm. by physios, they would talk about, and like my physio that I would see like every couple of weeks would talk about like how I was so hypermobile everywhere else. And then they would get to my hip flexors and they're like, what's up? What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you serious? And they were genuinely confused as to how my hips were that tight, but that's mm-hmm. a massive indicator for chronic pelvic pain. Oh, right. So it's yeah. really interesting that you say that. So with dance, I know it's calisthenics. Yeah. Right? Well, that was jazz. I hurt my back in. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Doing a jump. Oh, fun. But... But you did a lot of calisthenics, which is a lot of flexibility oh, yeah. stuff, like, yeah. isn't it? So how was that on your back, like, after um, you heard it? Directly after I heard it, I stopped doing anything where I was bending backwards for a good two months. Wow, yeah. Like, it was still put into routines and things. It's just while I was learning it, my coach was like, no, nope, don't do it. Yeah. Sit out, just learn it. I know you can do it. It was difficult, but I actually think... After I hurt myself, the the things that actually aggravated it the most wasn't things like bending back or anything. It was doing things that I had to be really still for and really... Like rigid almost? Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. I mean, look, I've got like no core strength whatsoever. So <laughs> I think like a lot of that trying to keep my body controlled was mm-hmm. coming directly from my back and it just couldn't handle yeah. it at all. No, absolutely. Like I didn't talk about this on the last episode, but when I was in year nine, I actually fractured my spine. I had a stress yeah. fracture in my L2 or L3, I don't remember, but it's my lower back. And yeah, I was the same. Like it was thrown into like a massive amount of Pilates because my physio was like, core strength is the only thing that's going to stop this from like happening again because mm-hmm. you're hyperextending backwards. And like even now my body freaks out when like my back has to arc backwards. Like I just can't do it. Yeah. But yeah, like that core strength is like the only thing that saved me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was like having that because that's the only way that you manage to keep your body straight, especially like when you're in the water and you can really just be wherever, like you're not oh. going to get off balance. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So with like your initial injury to mm. it becoming chronic, what sort of medical professionals have you seen? Like what, if, what tests have you had done? Like the whole shebang. Okay, so... Straight away, I went to a physio Mm -hmm. and they said, you've got a sprain back. I'm like, all right, 
So I saw them like once or twice a week for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Nice and pricey. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, probably wasn't the most consistent with the exercises I was given. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and ended up seeing GPs on and off about it. And it probably took at least a year, year and a half to get any scans done. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Got a CT scan and they're like, okay. <laughs> um, so what they found is basically bulging discs in mm-hmm. my lower spine, which would have been aggravated by the injury. Oh, yeah. But probably not caused by. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like a little bit of scoliosis, but that's more functional. It's because I'm not very strong. <laughs> Um, and like can't hold my spine up properly, um, rather than like being something I was born with. Yeah. I also saw an osteo a couple of times. Lovely. I got MRI scans that I haven't seen, but as part of a study I did. Okay. Um, But that also confirmed that it was bulging discs because I needed to have bulging discs to participate. Uh, Um, so I'm like, yep, thanks. At least I know. Yeah. And I also went to this gym for a while. I don't know whether it's something that's just in Melbourne or what, but it's specialised so all of the personal trainers are physios and you work oh, okay, cool, with them yeah. and have like a specialised strength training yeah, which is so important for back stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. My physio had like a, I had like a list of things that I was not allowed under any circumstance to do in the gym from yeah. my physio. <laughs> Yep, no free weights at all. No, no, nothing over my head either. Like especially no free weights over, but also like no medicine balls over my head. Like oh no, nothing because it just wasn't like it just was enough to like throw me out. Like yeah, yeah, no, that's really interesting. The fact that it took like so long for you to get scans is kind of scary because it might have been (laughs) almost as long with my back to get scans, but I just think that maybe I'm really lucky with scans. Mm-hmm. But then, like, also my scans were, like, I went to my physio. She's the most incredible person on the planet. Love her to death. But she took one look at me and was like, yeah, you've got a stress fracture. Go to a GP. You need an MRI. It will not show up on an X-ray. Yeah, it's sort of similar to, like, a hairline. Yeah, that's damn good. <laughs> yeah, and GP was like, you can have an X-ray. And then it came back clear and they were like, oh. Which is, like, very... Of it's, course. like, s- scarily similar to my, like, endo stuff with, like, yeah, you can have an ultrasound. It's clear. No, we don't care that endo doesn't show up on an ultrasound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, then I went to a sports doctor and he literally sent me to have an MRI that yep. day. So how have you, because I know for me, seeking out medical advice and actually going to a doctor is like a very emotionally draining, especially when it's so long. Oh, yeah. How have you gone with that being a chronic condition? Um, I feel like, especially because it goes up and down and I know by now, um, because it's been a good seven years. Um, <laughs> like, I, I know what times of the year it gets worse and everything. I sort of just don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of this year when I woke up and couldn't walk and then still couldn't for the next few days. And <laughs> so I asked one of our housemates to be like, can you please drive me to the physio? Even though it's really close, I can't walk. <laughs> um, so with the exception of that, um, yeah, I sort of just don't. Because I'm like, what new, are the, like, what new information are they going to give me? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, completely feel that a hundred percent. Like it's just like, yeah, what are you gonna tell me? Yeah, exactly. What, what are you really gonna tell me? Yeah, and then mum's like, you sure? Like, do you want to go back? And I'm like, I just, I just feel like it could be a waste of time and money, mm-hmm. especially if I need to get another scan. It's like, what are they gonna say? Yes, you still have bulging discs. Oh, was aware. Yeah, Not enough can feel that. Yeah, dealing with pain wise. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, I know that you have painkiller prescriptions. So, yes. For that, you have to go to a doctor. How long did it take for them to take you seriously enough to give you actual painkillers? Okay, so I actually I don't know whether I've got a script anymore, but I find it quite easy now because my GP back in Melbourne has my medical history. Yeah. If I just say, can I have another script for codeine? Yeah. He'll just be like, yeah, okay. Um, and I usually get a combination of that and ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. I find that the most helpful. Um, in terms of getting it, I was prescribed codeine before you needed a script for it. Okay. First off. So I think it was relatively easy after that because then they went into that phase of like, oh, you just need a doctor's note or something mm-hmm. to then needing, needing a, a script. script. Yeah. Um, so I think I've had two scripts written each time with no repeats mm-hmm. so I kind of just need to go back yeah time. just at least they make you check in yeah. yeah especially since it's like an opioid and issues exactly. with that that yeah. arise yeah um and like you know how fucking mad that makes me oh it's <laughs> infuriating <laughs> um <laughs> it's your back so it's real Um, because you know, uterus related pain is not real. So I have uh, never (laughs) been prescribed any painkillers that, um, actually require a script. Mm -hmm. Um, as the exception of once when I didn't ask for it, this was only a few weeks ago. I went to the doctor to get a medical certificate for an extension for a uni assignment because I couldn't get out of bed and she wrote me a prescription. But when they put in a prescription at the doctor, if they have a list of your existing medications and there's a drug interaction that like pops up on the screen oh. and that popped up for my amitriptyline prescription, which is supposed to be helping with my pain. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she printed it out anyway. And I was like, I've never seen you before. I've made no indication that I'm looking for a new doctor. Like, I'm just here for a medical certificate. Like, you can see that my address is literally around the corner. And, like, that's why I'm here. Like, why are you prescribing? So I never filled that, obviously, because, like, my amitriptyline is too important. Um, Yeah. Like, I need that to work. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And other than that, I've been prescribed Ponstan, which you don't need a prescription for. I've been prescribed Voltaren 25s, which I already use. Yep. <laughs> and don't need a prescription for. I find that very infuriating. Like, so happy for you, but also... <laughs> oh, no, it's absolutely... Off. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't be that easy for me yeah. to be prescribed opioids. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I've also been prescribed benzodiazepines pretty easily. That's um, nice. <laughs> and for other people to not have their health conditions taken seriously enough, especially because, you know... It has something to do with a woman's body. It's Ooh, like scary. I know. <laughs> it's like yeah, mine is treated as more of a condition, I guess, mm-hmm. because I don't experience it because I'm a woman. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's like because it's not your uterus too. They um, sort of accept that it's like a pretty constant thing for you. Yeah. Where, like, I've found that, like, doctors think that, like, oh, it's just, like, the week of my period or, like, the week before my period. They're, like, bad. And I'm, like, no. Like, it used to be. Mm -hmm. Now I have 
three good days max a month. And like by good days, <laughs> like we're still doing like I'm still nauseous, like I'm still exhausted, but like I might not be in excruciating pain or like constant pain. It might yeah. just come and go. Yeah. Like it's a very like lax way of describing like a good day. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's like those um scales that you're given. Of, like, how do you rate your pain? I'm like, well, I don't know. Um. My favorite response to that is I rate it as pie. Yes. Low and never ending. Yeah, that's it. That's like, it. That is the everyday pain. Yep. Yeah, yep, no, I was in, it. like, with uh, through my clinical trial, um, we had, like, a few different um, specialists come in and talk to us about, like, different things. And a surgeon came in to talk about, like, painkillers mm-hmm. and pain management. And she talked about the pain scale being from one to three is like, eh, but you can still continue on. Like, you don't need to make changes around your pain. Okay. And then four to six is have to make changes to be able to continue on because of pain. Mm-hmm. So that might be like, you don't go to school that day. You call in sick. And then she said, seven and over is when you would take yourself to the hospital. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'll say I haven't taken myself to a hospital before. No, I haven't taken myself to the hospital for anything endo-related because I was told straight out by my GP that they wouldn't take me seriously and they would send me home. And, like, he's right. Mm. I did speak to someone about it. I don't remember if it was a physio or if it was a surgeon. He said that it can be helpful for people who are not... The process is not moving fast enough for diagnosis when it comes to endo for them. So if they... Oh, yeah present badly enough or enough times I guess like they like getting quicker for like a laparoscopy or like get taken seriously enough for someone to say you need a laparoscopy yeah um so that's interesting but yeah like I was straight up told like no let's send you home I don't really see what they're possibly gonna do for me but also if I can't get off the floor I'm not going to the hospital and like that's not to say that like I haven't had moments nearly every member of my family has tried to call an ambulance for me oh really yeah because they've looked at me and gone do I need to take you to hospital? It's like, are you going to die? Yeah. Had a day where it was just me and my youngest brother, like, home. He'd come home from school and I was sitting in the opposite lounge room to him and I just, like, waddled in, like, hunched over. I couldn't stand <laughs> up straight to him yeah. and I was just like, I have to go and lie down. I may pass out. Like, if you need me, like, <laughs> that's where I am. It's not good. Yeah. And I sort of waddled off and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. I went into my room and I was trying to get my skirt off because it was cutting into me because I was so painfully bloated. Mm. So extremely bloated. I have a blog post on that um, if you want more information. (laughs) (laughs) Hyperfeminism.com And he came in and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just need to get this skirt off. Like, it's cutting into me. And he's, like, helping me with the button. Oh, my God, bless. And he's like, what can I do? Like, can I do anything? And I was like, can you reach the painkillers and can you also put a hot pack in the microwave? And he was like, yeah, okay, like, how long for? And he's like, what am I doing stuff? And he's just, Aww. like, he brings the heat pack and he's just standing over me going, yeah. And I was like, look, dude, I can't move. I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. Like, you might as well just go back and watch whatever you're watching. <laughs> like, this is just how it is. It's scary. It's not good. But also, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> it's like, I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. Which is also... I don't know. People have a it's really kind of weird sad. reaction to that. <laughs> people are just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but like, we have that a lot too where like, we'll message each other and you'll be like, oh, I think I'm in a lot of pain. I'm like, is there anything I can do? And you're like, oh. It's like, no, but thanks. I really appreciate it. 
It's really nice. Appreciate the support. Yeah. <laughs> so with your pain, chronic pain, it's pretty rare to not also, um, you know, be accompanied by mental illness, <laughs> whether Yay. that's existing or not. Yep. Um, how do you find coping with your pain um, mental health wise? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally cute. Just keep that sound. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it has definitely affected it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already a very anxious person mm-hmm. and I will say that with time and therapy and medication, it's gotten better since when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, chronic pain definitely affects it. Um, I've never really experienced depression Mm -hmm. um, in a diagnosable sense Um, and I know how much anxiety and depression symptoms overlap oh yeah and they're very like comorbid Mm -hmm. Um, but I sense that the number of depressive symptoms I experience have definitely increased Mm -hmm. since dealing with my back Um, and especially during a flare-up Things like sort of feeling pretty helpless. Oh yeah. Um, helpless, like, hopeless. Like it's oh, never yeah. ending. Yeah, exactly. It's just sort of that that feeling of like this is just how my life's gonna be. Um, and it's really hard. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's definitely impacted like the number of depressive symptoms I experience even though I am still not a depressed person mm-hmm. um it's also definitely affected my anxiety like there are weird little things that make me anxious even for like a split second that didn't used to before like sneezing oh yeah like that makes so much sense right Thank you. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a movement you cannot control. Exactly. So it's like, who knows if I'm going to sneeze and pinch my back. Um, Far out. And it's like something, it sounds so silly. And then you say it to someone else with chronic pain and they're like, oh shit. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my depression and anxiety um, precede my uh, endometriosis. But, yeah, it upping like anxiety around it but like during flare-ups especially like it ups depression oh yeah like tenfold like it's nuts and like that really like that that feeling that like there's no light at the end of the tunnel like this is my life and Mm -hmm. I can't do this feeling is so hard to explain to people who don't experience it because you get the response of like oh but just you know you just have to hang in there and like things will get better and yeah probably not they probably won't yeah (laughs) (laughs) to be honest mm. yeah yeah i feel like also like in general i'm a pretty optimistic person and then like during a flare-up i'm like everything sucks (laughs) the world is a flaming trash can exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's never gonna get better and everyone sucks yeah and it's difficult to maintain like that takes a lot of energy to feel all those feelings oh yeah i'm constantly exhausted oh yeah which is such a huge chronic pain thing. Yep. Like, exhaustion. Yeah. It's a huge chronic pain thing and a huge mental illness thing. Yeah. Um, so, the nice combination oh, yeah. of the two. Oh, yeah. it's a winning combo. 
Yeah, and it's so hard to explain that to someone if you say, like, I'm tired, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm really tired too. I'm like, um. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're a little tired. Um. I haven't slept in three years. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't sleep all the way through the night because I wake up every time I roll over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not taking away from your tiredness, but also, fuck you. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just not the same sort of level of exhaustion. Exactly. Because it's so constant. Yeah. Like, you might get, like, one good night of sleep, like, maybe every two months. Oh, yeah. Maybe. That's, like, optimistic. That's, like, (laughs) (laughs) pro-Xanax. I find, too, though, that, like, people don't really get exhaustion-wise that having a flare-up, especially, is so exhausting. Oh, God, yes. That the effects of it doesn't just end when the flare-up ends. Because then you're just exhausted because it's taken so much out of you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so draining. And I find that, like, people who don't... Outside of people who experience chronic pain, I think the most similar thing is panic attacks. Oh, yeah. Like, that feeling when you wake up, like, the morning after, like, you've had a panic attack that night and then you wake up the next morning and you just feel, like, absolute trash. Yep. And for people who don't experience anxiety or, like, um, a chronic pain disorder... Just imagine, like, the worst hangover you've ever had. Like, don't disclude vomiting because you might. Um, <laughs> you know, you your head hurts and you take whatever and it doesn't help. Yep. Your whole body aches. Yep. Yeah, again, probably feel like you're going to throw up, like, in my case at least. Um, can't get out of bed. Like, I have mornings where I wake up and I can't even roll over. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's like, I am stuck in this one spot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you might not even be comfortable there. No, but I physically cannot You can't move. move. Yeah. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. And absolutely Why doesn't everyone have a chronic pain? I know, right? Guys, you're really missing out. For the one time, <laughs> offer of nine ninety five, you can feel like absolute shit for the rest of your life. I mean... <laughs> I wish I paid for it. Then I could at least, like blame myself yeah sort of i mean like i blame myself anyway yeah there is that (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe we wouldn't if we weren't so anxious who knows i've got written down in my like question notes just difficulties um everything is a difficulty Uh, yeah (laughs) Um, it's like do you want do you want a list um a file (laughs) a cabinet yeah you've got it all on a hard drive the hard drive is full yeah it's like a terabyte. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't really put like all the minor symptoms that I refuse to bring up with a medical professional because I don't want to accept that they're a thing that's happening to me. <laughs> Whoops. I'm so sorry. Like if anyone is listening who's a doctor, like I'm so sorry, but also like I'm not. You guys made me like this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this is your fault. Please, please just make CBD easier to access. Thank you. Right. There's no psychoactive ingredient. It's not just people trying to get pot. Like, the whole medical... No, I, don't, I don't want to get the high. The whole medical <laughs> cannabis and CBD like thing, especially, like, within Australia, is so conservative and weird. It just blows my mind. Like, surely you would prefer that I'm taking something that is natural, no psychoactive ingredients, doesn't require massive dosages, might actually be helpful for most symptoms, mm-hmm. and also has no side effects. No addiction... No addiction, yeah. Why would you rather that I be on opioids than on CBD oil? Exactly. Like, I was prescribed Valium when I was 12. That's insane. 
It's nuts. And then no one knows about CBD, which is infuriating because it seems like some people are actually kind of starting to get somewhere yeah. with that and how it could help, and yeah. yet it's not accessible here. Yeah. And like we're lucky that like we have found a place like in Australia where you can actually access like safe, clean, well-regulated, well-tested CBD. Yeah. That's um, actually legal. Just, yeah. Because yeah. it's from hemp. Um, it's legal. But the fact that it's still like, you know, $100 a bottle at least. And like we're not getting government subsidies for any of that because my healthcare card can't save me. No, Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it becomes very frustrating. This is clearly, like, another episode topic, um, much like the last, that we could talk about for hours. Oh, yeah. Years. <laughs> and we have. And, oh, absolutely. Many a late night. <laughs> <laughs> Many a 3am message. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things that it sort of is your entire life. And, like, I feel sort of weird about, like, especially, like, on my Instagram stories and, like, on my Instagram as a whole, like, talking about my pain and my mental health because I feel like it's a lot. And I talk about it a lot, but it is really very overwhelming and it's sort of my entire life. Oh, yeah. Everything comes into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel that completely. I, like, worry so much. I mean, look, honestly, anxiety. Oh, yeah. I just worry anyway. But, like... (laughs) I just worry. I just worry. Um, But I worry so much that I'm, like, a burden to the people around me. Especially people who are close to me, like my family, my partner, even, like, our other housemates. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, some of my closer friends that I talk to about it. Because I feel like I just talk about it so much. Or, like, I'm always anxious about, like, one thing. And if it's not that... It's my back <laughs> um, or my leg. And, like, that could be, again, a whole other conversation mm. about how people without chronic pain or just, like, experiencing pain in general, they don't really get referred pain. No. And they're just sort of like, why does your leg hurt? I'm like, oh, it's my back. And they're like, right, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, like, it's hard to talk about. Oh, yeah. But I also have to talk about it yeah because otherwise i'll lose my goddamn mind yeah (laughs) like more than we already have already right yeah it's just it is very much uh, one of those things (laughs) just why it's very nice and i feel very lucky to have someone i'm living with hello mallory (laughs) um who actually understands it even though i wouldn't wish chronic pain or mental illness on anyone oh yeah but it's so nice that you get it (laughs) it's so nice (laughs) just just to be able to say like look we have to go out or something but let's not stay out too long because Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah basically be able to say i can't do that today because i'm just it's not it's not a good day yeah and, it's not a good day. and I know I said like, I would yesterday, but turns yeah. out today happened. Yeah. And just, just to be like, yeah. yeah, okay, that's absolutely fine. We'll reschedule. Like, yeah. it's all good. And yeah, there's like no guilt. No. 
Let's just get it. It's also really nice to be like, I cannot stand up long enough to wash the dishes tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, that's okay. It's... I can stand up. <laughs> For the most part, um, our like really bad flare-ups haven't really been overlapping. Yeah, we've been um, very lucky. Which has been really nice because it's like, that's okay. I'll carry the groceries in. Or I'll do the dishes. Or I'll yell at you in the middle of the supermarket for trying to put things from the trolley onto the conveyor belt. Okay, look, that was one time. It okay? was one time. And it was one time. <laughs> we and I argued was in the middle of the supermarket about it. <laughs> I was picking things up one at a time. Yeah. No, and she's still like, no. Your, no, well, you shouldn't have been doing it. And Stop you know it. you shouldn't have been doing it. And you know I was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, so clearly we could go on for hours, oh, yeah. but uh, that is about it for this episode of Hyperfeminism, the podcast. Um, as always, you can find me on social media. I'm Hyperfeminism, hyperfeminism on Facebook, <laughs> um, at Hyperfeminism with an underscore at the end on Twitter, at Hyperfeminism on Instagram, or you can email me at hyperfeminism at gmail.com. Bye for now. Looking forward to seeing you all next time. Thank you for listening. <laughs> 